You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, White Sox fans, Brett Valentini here hosting Southside Sox podcast number 28. We're a little out of order. There's a reason for that. We'll get to that at the end of this podcast. But if the guy you're looking at or maybe about to hear maybe sounds a little bit dragging and tired because he had a very long day yesterday shooting uh, photographs of the ball game in the backfield for Southside Sox. It's Sean Williams joining me again. And I think we're just stoking up the Camelback Confidential again. It's a Camelback Confidential podcast once more. And thanks for hopping on with me after a long day yesterday, Sean. Yeah, of course. Happy to always hop on and, and talk some White Sox. And obviously had a pretty cool experience yesterday. So looking forward to talking about that and kind of just going over everything from the game. And who doesn't like talking White Sox baseball? So whether whether you like it or not, listeners, you got us for another episode. Especially coming off of a win. Come on. Uh, okay, not to say we were conning you last year when we were calling it Camelback Confidential and Sean Williams was just observing, checking out games, shooting from the gallery. But hey, he's gotten closer to the action than ever. So let's jump right back in. Let's jump into that. Uh, obviously, a win yesterday that we'll get to maybe a little bit. But let's just talk a little bit about the experience. Uh, I think first photo pit. Uh, legit experience, uh, even though you're probably as close to the actions you've been on the backfields doing uh, uh, rookie league or even fall league stuff. But uh, yeah, just step us through today and uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what happened with you yesterday. Yeah, so it was uh, it was a really cool experience. It was my first time having like a legit pass to be able to do something like that. So while I was really excited, I really didn't know what to expect either. I was just like, all right, like I figured it would be kind of like a trial and error type day, but I feel like everything went smoothly. Um, I got down there pretty early in the morning and uh, 
right around like 15, 20 minutes before the backfields opened up. So I figured, you know, I'd go over there, get some shots from the backfields in the morning and then kind of, you know, mess around with those. And cause I would have some time to kill before the game, which I did. So went over there, got a uh, pretty close to the action, obviously with everything going on, you know, you can't get like right up there and in front of everyone. So they had designated viewing areas, but it wasn't, you know, an issue for me or anything like that. I could still get all the shots that I wanted to. So hung out there for a while. Um, they, they didn't do a whole lot on the backfields yesterday, just kind of uh, fielding drills, a little bit of batting practice. And it was primarily the minor leaguers that are in camp that weren't starting in the game. Um, I know spring training is a little bit different this year. They have just this first regular spring training, and then they actually have the minor league spring training that starts in April. Um, so this was just the guys that are a part of the regular spring training, but weren't playing or weren't starting today. So got to watch them for a little bit. Um, they did outfield infield drills. Like I said, a little bit of batting practice. So went over there, shot that, then I had a little bit of time to kill. So just kind of sifted through the photos I had and kind of pushed those a little bit and, other than that, just waited around for the game. And then when now, now Sean on the backfields, uh, I mean, I've had this experience as a, as a writer, uh, you probably were very likely the only person there observing where you get any looks from them. Like now how, why, who's he looking at? Who's, yeah. who's he trying to get information on? Because like, what we're not, you know, we're not necessarily used to this. Yeah. So I was actually the only person <laughs> out there. They did have like um typical, like camelback security, just making sure no one's, doing what they shouldn't be doing. But yeah, I was the only person there and I felt like I kind of did get a little bit of looks like, Hey, like this is kind of unfamiliar to us. We, (laughs) we haven't had someone back here that just wants to take pictures of us working out, but I'm that person, Uh, you know, I get a chance like that. I'm going to go shoot everything and anything that I can. So, so the question really is Sean, who was vamping for you? (laughs) (laughs) The um uh, okay, so you got the time to kill, obviously. And, and what's nice about the situation is because yeah, there is always some stuff going on, and, and frankly, you could probably even be you know shooting guys like even behind the scenes, not even on the field, while you're waiting for a game yeah. to start. And I know one thing we sort of joked about, I think, a week ago was uh, you know what if <laughs> what if your assignment with the Angels is a, a Shohei Otani start, <laughs> the madhouse it might be. It seems like maybe that wasn't the case, but I guess let's uh, let's take us closer to game time and, and how things worked out for you uh, there once things started to officially ramp yeah. up. So after I got done with the backfields, I did head back over to um, just like the concourse area for Camelback Ranch. They had specific locations where they wanted us to shoot. So um, it turns out it was a Shohei Otani day for the Angels. <laughs> um, I obviously knew that before I even got to the ballpark, so me being me, I was like, I'm going to go find a spot and I'm going to stand there and no one is going to get the spot that I want. So fortunately I did, I was able to get that spot. And um, when I came back to the stadium, the regulars that were playing were actually doing a little workout on their own on the actual Camelback Ranch field. So I did get to watch a little bit of batting practice. Um, and that was, they, they were taking some fly balls and stuff, but they were wrapping that up by the time I got back there. So it was a little bit of batting practice that I got to watch. Um, and it turns out that it wasn't as busy for Shohei as I thought. So I didn't really have any issues, um, getting a spot or, you know, kind of being where I want to be. Um, but it was, it was really cool. It was, it was a great experience and, um, it was perfect for, for someone like me kind of getting down there that early and being able to see a couple different things and having some time to kill to where I was able to, you know, 
go through the pictures I shot at that time and be like, okay, this works, or uh, maybe I could save this one, or this yeah. one keeps a little bit of doctoring, but it was, uh, it was cool. It gave me a lot of time to just kind of be able to take it all in and be able to get work done um, during the game, before the game, all that stuff. Yeah. Not that anybody wants these circumstances, but the, the given the situation surrounding baseball in these last couple of years, and this goes back to Clinton Cole getting his first uh, uh, photo pit, you know, whatever you want to call it, experience at Sox Park itself uh, there for a few games. Uh, all our first-time writers um, getting sort of the press box experience for the first time. Of course, it's not the same. You're not getting in the locker room. You're not able to, you know, even – you know, say have field access, you know, which you would probably be able to get and so forth. Uh, but given the circumstances and especially maybe, you know, for a first time like yourself, yeah, it does help the fact that things are so controlled, things are calmer, you know, things are quieter. You're not even hardly, you know, you're dealing with even a smaller percentage of fans. So that probably plays into at least sort of getting your feet wet, wet with it saying, okay, you know, you know, you get this, uh, you get this in your backpack a few times and it's like, okay, well, if and when situation becomes normal again, you know, I'm right there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's a really good point that you brought up. And that was something that I was actually thinking about during the day. Um, so the way they had the photo areas set up is there were, there were some that were a little higher up on the concourse. And I sat there at first and I was like, okay, like I can make this work. Um, and then there was a handful that were on like the lower bowl of the concourse so I kind of just like floated around and stuff, but the ones that were set up high were right by like concessions and um, like a high fan traffic area. And I was sitting there thinking like in normal times, this might be a little, like a little hard if it was set up like this, granted in normal times, it probably wouldn't be, but I was like in normal times, it'd be a little bit uh, like distracting or, you know, kind of difficult to like focus when you're sitting up here and you got like everything going on behind you. And then obviously the game in front of you might be a little hard to sit there and kind of really, like key in on, on what you want to shoot and stuff. But I was, was sitting there and I was like, this is probably the best case scenario for someone like me who is shooting a game with a pass for the first time. So I was actually pretty grateful for that. And it, and it really like, no one really came up to me to bother me. A couple of security guards and like ushers stopped by just to like talk a little bit. Cause you know, they're not used to less people in the stands. They need some people to talk to too. But other than that, I felt like it, it was good in the sense where I could get in there. I could focus really had no distractions and was able to get some good pictures throughout the day. Us old schoolers might uh, say, man, did you remember to pack all your extra film, but you remember to bring your extra juicy, thick memory card. Yep. Got, got, <laughs> luckily for me, it just sticks right into the camera. So it really doesn't cause any problems. Uh, that's good. Um, I guess we'll take a little break here. We'll talk, uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit about the actually uh, yesterday's game, which was a win. It's worth extra attention because it's an actual win for the White Sox. And then maybe uh, pull back the camera a little bit more and just talk general spring training. We'll be back to talk about that in just a second. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, caught you. If you're watching, nothing happened. No commercial at all. Commercial free YouTube broadcast. But welcome back from the break. For all you podcast listeners, Southside Sox podcast number 28 here with Sean Williams, who shot the game for Southside Sox and SB Nation yesterday. He'll have a couple more assignments like that at Camelback Ranch for White Sox home games. It's Camelback Confidential. So let's get into the confidential aspect of it. Obviously, you're 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 running around, you're you're juggling lenses, you're dropping things, you're talking to ushers, whatever. Uh, but you're also got a game to cover and you're watching it and you're watching it as a writer as well. Things are a little quieter. Uh, there's not too much hubbub. So maybe it makes it a little easier to have that laser sharp focus. And you got to focus laser sharp, Sean, on a White Sox win. And my goodness, they just doubled their win total with you in attendance. So they might want to think about extending that pass to just make it <laughs> permanent because you're one to know. Uh, how'd the game go? It got a little hairy there at the end, but uh, you had the Otani start and the White Sox offense uh, was not daunted. Yeah, it was it was an exciting game. It seemed kind of like it was close to an opening day long lineup in terms of who was in there and kind of the order of everyone. Maybe, you know, you, you move around a couple guys and obviously Nick Madrigal wasn't in the lineup, uh, but you kind of nailed it there. It seemed like the offense just really was clicking. Um, everyone it, minus just a very, very small few kind of contributed uh, to the win there. You know, a couple guys had a few hits. There were some home runs like Luis Robert took Shohei Otani deep and he knew it right away, which was really cool. Um, Leary Garcia, he's having a killer spring. He had three hits yesterday. Yeah. Uh, one of them was a home run. Um, so overall it was, it was good. Got to see a couple guys look good on the mound. Jimmy Lambert made his return to the mound, which was definitely noteworthy. And granted, it was a weaker Angels lineup, but he really kind of mowed through him, no problem. So um, that was pretty exciting to see. And then there were some uh, bullpen guys like Ryan Burr, who had a little bit of a bounce back outing. He looked pretty good. So overall, there was definitely some exciting things to see. And, and it felt it felt like the the team finally started to click for gosh, maybe the first time this spring. So it's definitely exciting to see that. And this could be a kickoff. It may be reflective. Of, I mean, a lot of this could be random. It could be reflective of the lineup. Uh, the games, I think, if not now, very shortly are going to be officially considered shortest seven innings and, and in most cases nine innings from that five to seven frame where they started spring with. So, so stuff's ramping up and things are getting real. Uh, at the same time, as we pull it back, maybe a little bit, even from just yesterday's game, there are guys we haven't really seen yet. And in some cases, maybe it's no big deal. A veteran like Dallas Keuchel, okay, hasn't pitched at all yet. Fine. Uh, Nick Madrigal, as you mentioned, I think he's got two at bat so far in the spring. Of course, he is coming back from his shoulder procedure. So some of that's to be understood, but we're getting into the middle of the month and we haven't really seen him at all yet. And Dylan Cease, who we know are, is sort of going through a, a fundamentals and maybe mechanics overhaul, but he pretty much is, he's pretty much down as a four starter in Penn, and we haven't seen him in action yet. Uh, thoughts on the guys, at least maybe those three guys or anybody else we haven't seen so far? Um, in terms of those three guys, I know Nick Madrigal, I want to say it was last week made his cactus league debut or, or this week, whatever you want to call it. Um, in regards to him, I feel like he's just the type of player who 
he really won't need like a ton of seasoning in order to be ready for the regular season. Um, just cause of his kind of like high contact profile. That's he's obviously carried with him throughout the minor leagues and into the major leagues. So not really super worried about him. Um, he'll just need a little bit of time and, and he'll probably be good to go. Dylan Cease, I don't know what's going on there. Um, obviously, you know, he, he's not like injured or anything like that, but I do find it kind of interesting that he hasn't made one Cactus League appearance yet. I was kind of curious to see how he would look working with Ethan Katz and, and stuff like that, but I guess we'll have to wait a little bit longer for that. So um, not really sure what to expect with him, but looking forward to seeing him get out there on the mound. And I apologize. I forgot who the third person you asked about was. Oh, veteran Dallas Keiko is just kicking Dallas back and grooming the beard so far in spring training. That's, that's right. That's doing. right. He's, uh, he's just getting engaged and yeah, um, just apparently pitching on backfields, but he's, he's a veteran, been around the league for a long time. So he obviously knows what, how much, how many innings or, you know, however many pitches he needs to throw to feel like he's ready. So for him, I, I'm not really worried at all. It would be nice as a fan and like a writer to be able to watch him pitch, but you know, you can't always get what you want. I think most of these uh, pitchers, even the younger guys have an idea of, of, of what milestones they need to hit with each of these ramp up starts. I remember Keuchel in summer camp, right from the jump without really even prompting. I think he was saying like after his first outing, yeah, I want to get to four innings next time. I want to get to five. I want to be able to go, you know, whatever, six and two thirds in my tune up right before uh, actual, you know, opening day or whatever they called it last summer. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, certainly he's a guy who maybe he's even more in tune. You know, he knows his, mm-hmm. uh, he knows his fluid levels, you know, you know, he's, he's got everything down. So yeah, I suppose uh, I'm not certainly trying to instigate any panic, but it's interesting that we still do have some guys pretty noticeably absent two guys who haven't been noticeably absent. Although I think with his last start, he may want to be are Ronaldo Lopez and Carlos Rodon who seem that because they are thrown on the same day, uh, Rodon, relieved Lopez in his outing Friday, I believe, and uh, his bad outing Friday, let's face it. But because those two guys are working in tandem, it seems to me that they're tabbed. One's going to be the fifth starter. One's going to be long relief. Uh, Radon came out of the bullpen. I wouldn't be surprised to see that flip, maybe this next start. But does it seem like, am I looking too much into the tea leaves and trying to get into Tony LaRusso's head? frightening though that may be uh and assume that because cease is sort of given especially with all the so the, the hoopla around what he's already done with ethan katz he's pretty secure for the fourth barring any sort of injury from anybody and that the fifth really is between those two guys and we're seeing that now that they're even literally just pitching on the same day yeah no i think you're you're spot on i think the fifth spot uh will be between those two guys obviously it would be someone like mike Michael Kopex to take over eventually, but we already know he's going to be coming out of the bullpen. So that's kind of a wash for now, but I do think it's between both of them. Um, I, if, if I had to guess, I would say Rodon will probably end up taking it. You know, he's, he's earning a couple million dollars. He's been a starter for, and, and Lopez has too. granted been a starter for, you know, his whole career. Um, they experimented a little bit with Rodon out of the bullpen last year. It was granted, it was a very, very small sample size and he was put into some bad situations, but it really didn't work out too well in his favor. So I think they'll probably give Rodon the nod if I had to guess here. Um, and he'll be the fifth starter on opening day. And then they could kind of kind of see what they have in Ronaldo Lopez out of the bullpen. He's never really gotten that opportunity with the White Sox. So 
Um, I know as a starter, he's kind of been all over the place and maybe his, his stuff will play up in the bullpen, but that's to be determined. But I, I think when push comes to shove, it'll end up being Rodon that slides into that fifth spot there. And I'm certainly not seeking to bury Ronaldo because he's had two outings. His first one was great. His first one was basically mm-hmm. as good as Ronaldo's first one out of the bullpen was. I think same duration of a couple innings. So, I mean, we could see fortunes twist again where Lopez has a strong outing next time around and, and Rodon's the one who struggles. And let's hope that it's made a difficult decision by overperforming or performing to a best case scenario with both of these guys. Cause then you've almost got a six starter. I mean, maybe they even, who knows, maybe they even split um, that five spot where, you know, both of them are getting no more than two turns through the order, which would probably be best in both of their cases. Uh, so certainly not necessarily looking to handicap it yet. You know, it was unfortunate, you know, you want to see Lopez have that first strong start uh, hear what he's doing with cats, see that the curveball is back in his arsenal and just say, okay, this, this guy's got it, you know, um, makes, uh, have somebody bump him out, have Kopech or, or Rodon or Lambert bump him out of that spot. Just, you know, let him earn it um, the way it did. It seemed like he was on his way to with that first start. Obviously there's going to be ups and downs and you're probably right that uh, Rodon also being left-handed gives a little more balance to the rotation as well, even though the bullpen doesn't have a ton of southpaws. Uh, either, but uh, do you think uh, next time out Rodon gets the start? You think they're going to still roll with him out of the pen? How do you think that's going to uh, uh, play out? You know, I'm not entirely sure. Um, it's just kind of interesting how they've handled it so far with just them, like you were saying, them two pitching on the same days. But uh, I would like to see Rodon get, you know, a start or two maybe before the spring's over. I know it's somewhat coming close to an end so it might be a little hard to make that happen but um, I think at least giving him a little bit of uh, opportunity there to start out a game as opposed to coming out of the bullpen because that's all he's done since he came back from his injury last year so if they really want him to take that fifth spot or or whenever they you know figure out okay that's going to be our guy and if it is Rodon um, it'd be nice to have him go back to what he's used to as opposed of pitching out of the bullpen, which is a little bit different for him. So I would like eventually like to see him get, you know, a start or two, if they can make that happen. This circumstance is tough for the Sox because usually you can punt that fifth start, you know, between weather and, uh, and scheduled days off for, I want to say maybe even the first month, certainly the first couple weeks of the season, but Sox got eight strict games to start the year. They do not get a break. Even I think until their home opener, the game after uh, the day after that, I think, is a day off. Uh, so, I mean, that's eight straight games. <laughs> you can't avoid a fifth starter there. Um, so it's, it is going to have to be resolved and somebody's going to have to to do the job. Uh, let's shift over to somebody who we talked about, I think, uh, last week and I think has been pretty much the talk at camp. I think we had some concern about Andrew Vaughn just starting out uh, as a rookie designated hitter, which seems odd. Um but I'm guessing if you ask Andrew Vaughn, he'd rather be the opening day uh, lineup designated hitter than, oh, I don't know, the guy who gets to play the field in Schaumburg or even in Charlotte. So uh, the guys had challenges thrown at him, even the pressure of being maybe the designated designated hitter right from the jump. And he hasn't dropped it for a single at bat. No, he, when he, this is, we'll take it back a little bit, but when he was coming into the draft and the year the White Sox took him, people already pegged him then as this guy might be the best pure hitter in his entire draft class. And uh, he really has just taken that on since he's been with the White Sox from the minor leagues to summer camp. 
into now spring training. He's, he's always had a really good approach at the plate. And, you know, for a guy as young as him, you might think when he's around these big leaguers and he's facing more big league or close to big league pitchers, he might be out of his comfort zone a little bit, but that hasn't been the case at all. He's completely stayed true to himself and he's, as a result, just he's been really impressive this spring. Every time he's in the lineup, he does something, whether that's walking and getting on base or, or getting a hit or, you know, putting together a productive at bat at the very least. It's like you can always count on him to go up there, see a lot of pitches and, and at least do something like that. So in terms of him making the opening day roster and being the DH, I personally think he will. Um, I, in, in, Obviously, you know, we're talking highly of him and, and it's been a lot of praise for Andrew Vaughn right now. But at the same time, I don't really think they have too many other options right now. <laughs> and just kind of the way, you know, everything's unfolded with Tony Larusa being the manager now and, and being like Jerry's best buddy. You figure, you know, they're going to want to put Tony in the best position to win here because who knows how long he'll be around. You know, obviously he's a little bit older for managers, so who knows how long he can do it. Um, and I think just giving him someone like Andrew Vaughn as even as just a DH in the lineup every day is obviously going to make the team a lot better. So I, I personally can see it, but you know, I'm not the one that makes the calls either. It's funny to talk about flexibility with the DH too. Like, Ooh, he can play first base. Uh, but I mean, it's not something we can, you know, take for granted. We've had a number of DHs, many of them who couldn't even hit, which was the only thing they're asked to do, including just last year. Edwin Encarnacion is a guy who could have played first base, but I, you didn't necessarily want to see him out there. Uh, Adam Dunn's a guy who could play, uh, I guess, technically the outfield, but you certainly didn't want to see him out there. So the fact that I mean, we want to take it for granted and sort of joke about the fact that, oh, he's a rookie and he might just be hitting. And, you know, that's maybe not ideal and certainly can feel this position. But the fact that if Jose Abreu was banged up a little bit, uh, he had a slow start to his spring and had the coronavirus that he's sort of coming back from, even though that was a mild diagnosis, I guess, for him. Uh, you know, who's to say, you know, guys do, you know, he's, a, unfortunately, Andrew Vaughn is going to be sort of sharing first base, if you want to call it that, with a guy who never wants to not play. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, <laughs> it might take a lot of convincing or convincing Jose Abreu's mother that he gets to sit a couple games this year. Uh, but it's certainly a good thing that, you know, to have in your back pocket, uh, you know, I guess it'd be best to have a, a total switchblade guy who can play, uh, you know, whatever center field, if you need him to, but the fact that Vaughn can get out there and, and field probably at this point better than Abreu, no offense to Abreu's great defense last year. Um, yeah. It's not, it's something that maybe is easy to take for granted, but you know, it's, it's not, it's not nothing either. And this is a guy again, who even in his first camp way back before, the pandemic pandemic break last year was getting reps in major league camp. He sort of hung on longer than you would think if it was just a courtesy invitation and he was getting key late inning, you know, for what this is worth, right? Sometimes you are playing against the scrubs of the scrubs, but mm -hmm. he was getting late game at bats and doing something with them up until when stuff, you know, broke uh, other than your mean Mercedes, he was having probably the, the best and most surprising camp of anyone. And he looks like he just has not, he didn't miss a beat, you know, through Schaumburg through not really getting that call up, even though we knew he was sort of on the verge of maybe didn't call up late in the season or even for the playoffs. Uh, it doesn't look like he's missed a beat with his focus. Everything that you see in Andrew Vaughn, like personally sort of being a little bit uh, sweet, a little bit nervous, you know, talking with media he's the opposite on the field. He seems like he's a guy who's been around 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy when you think of like everything he's 
done with the White Sox, but he hasn't actually played a major league game. It's just he always continues to impress. You know, like we said, he's got that great approach. He's got the power. He's got the hit tool. And it makes you wonder, like, could this guy end up being, you know, one of the best pure hitters in a absolutely stacked White Sox lineup? And it's crazy to think that when he, like I said, he hasn't even taken a single official regular season at bat at the major league level, but Sean, you just, I, Sean, he hasn't taken a single double A at bats. <laughs> it's crazy, but look at this. Yeah, I know. A I'm jumping the gun hitter. a little bit, but it's. Yeah. Oh. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to look too far ahead, but if, if the White Sox do decide to make that call and, and he ends up being the DH for this season or primary DH for this season, or, you know, for however long until, you know, Jose kind of gives up the reins there at first base, it seems like they might be onto something and we might actually have a serviceable DH. I don't want to curse him or, or anything like that. So I'm just going to say it seems, but we, we, we might have something brewing here with Andrew Vaughn and I'm kind of excited to see how it unfolds, whether he does end up making it or just even continuing to watch his development at, at the minor leagues moving forward. All right, we've been we've been going up and down this whole time. We've been starting off talking about this great opportunity and the delicious shots you took yesterday at the ball game. Then we jumped into the fifth starter spot, which is definitely up for question. Then we're talking to Andrew Vaughn. So all right, let's let's go to an area of concern as we wind things up. Uh, I would throw it out to the field and have you answer this, but I don't think there's really any other obvious spot of concern. But backing up. Is Monty Grandal, which has taken on an additional wrinkle given that he got his knee crunched a little bit or a little mm. bulky, so he hasn't really been able to catch. Uh, so that's going to make the second catcher or even potentially the third catcher, although it doesn't seem like they're going to they're going to roll with uh, two backups. More important, the good news is all these guys seem to be hitting by and large. Uh, are we comfortable with? any of these selections from what we've seen through spring, or even, I guess, in the case of somebody like Jonathan McCroy, uh, past resume, uh, how are you feeling about backup catcher? Uh, if we're, if we're talking what we've seen this spring, then we should be thrilled <laughs> with what we could potentially have for backup catcher. Cause both of them are playing really well. Um, I feel fine with whoever the, the backup ends up being. I, I, nothing's changed since the last time we talked. I think it'll still be Jonathan LaCroix. Um, but to be honest, like we kind of talked about it a little bit last time too. It's like Grandall's ideally going to be catching, you know, 120 plus games. So when you have a back, when you have a catcher like that, you you don't really need a backup too often. Um, so he'll, he'll play sparingly having someone with a lot of experience like Jonathan LaCroix is going to be pretty valuable. And um, especially with a team like the White Sox, who's young. So if it's him, I'm totally fine with it. If it's Zach Collins, I'm totally fine with it too. Cause we still got kind of got to see, you know, what he can be granted. It would be the same situation he's been in in the past where he doesn't get to play too much and you hate to see him go through that again. But at the same time, like he's, he's still a guy that's, that's exciting and you want to watch and kind of see if he can turn out to something. So whatever the choice is, I'm fine with it. It's, it's not, it's not like the be all end all for the roster. We're, we're fortunate to have Grandall and he, I know we didn't talk about it uh, when we covered the game too, but he did make his Cactus League debut um, yesterday as well. So it was good to see him back in the lineup too. And it seems very clear that Zach Collins is going to have a role on this team, if not uh, sooner than later, because 
beyond the fact that he would be, if he ends up being the third guy and he even say he starts in Schaumburg, uh, beyond the possibility for injury with the catcher or, or poor performance uh, in the case of LaCroix, uh, he's probably also the first call-up if something happens at DH or first base. Uh, if Jose gets banged up or Vaughn, he's probably the first bat you want. I know a lot of people will be clamoring for you mean Mercedes or I don't know, you know, a free agent or a trade. But uh, Zach is probably going to fill that role first as well. So, again, if there's performance issues, if somehow Andrew Vaughn does end up running into some trouble, needs a little bit of fine tuning at Schaumburg, Collins is probably the guy they're going to turn to. It's not going to be, um, uh, it's not going to be Luis Gonzalez, you know, to, to fill uh, DH reps. So, mm-hmm. even as they may be sending him off, if they are, um, and let's face it, uh, they sort of have him in hand. They don't have a Jonathan LaCroix to say, hey, you want to go to Schaumburg? That's probably not going to happen um so if 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 it's a tie it probably does go to the veteran but even as they might be packing zach off they can say listen you know we're going to see you soon you keep your bat hot and you know you keep working on what you're doing defensively which is you know he's he's adjusting on the fly with his new um his new stance mm-hmm. um behind the plate so he's clearly going to see action so it's, it's in theory going to be a long season uh they do value his bat he hits from the right side in terms of by by that, I mean the left side in terms of giving the lineup balance. So if he goes, I mean, he, he can, he can afford uh, the hotel room in Schaumburg guys like your mean and Sebi, they're probably actually going to have to rent in Schaumburg until they get to Charlotte, because they do seem to be falling uh, deeper on the depth chart as a clear, like four and five and in the way uh, everything is arranged. So uh, you're right though, based on uh, spring, I guess, you know, we're always going to have concern about our catcher spot because we haven't had good catching, like accepting last year, like maybe in forever. So uh, it does make fans nervous, but it does seem like given that this was sort of a, um, I don't call it a half-assed approach, but I mean, you know, uh, it's not James McCann going into to this season as your backup, as your co-catcher. Uh, I guess it's base, best case uh, scenario so far, halfway through spring training. So I guess we'll just... Uh, knock on wood there and hope that, uh, you know, again, just like with the fifth starter, that if anything, it just picks up and intensifies and your mean says, Hey, why are these guys on the Southside Talk podcast talking like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm lunch meat. I'm going to play my way, you know, into this by proving maybe I can catch in late. And it's, I don't know. Stranger things could happen, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess if your biggest position battle or, or your biggest topic going into spring training and throughout spring training is who's the backup catcher going to be, then I think your roster is in pretty decent shape. So um, I I guess we could have a a lot worse problems and a lot worse things to talk about here. So I'll happily debate who the backup catcher wants to be anytime. Sean Rickon should just, he should stop talking. He should just use all of our own sound bites against us. If people are questioning the success of the real blue row, he can just, he can just cite this portion of the Southside Sox podcast to say, okay, right. They're debating that like the literally the 26 man on the roster uh, that's evidence enough. When he starts to expound, that's when he gets himself in trouble. He just uses the fact that White Sox Twitter isn't worried about like, do we have a lineup this year? Like we might've a couple of years ago. Now we're talking about, okay, we're finer pointing it. And that's what you got to do when you're expecting to be, when you're expecting playoffs, maybe you're expecting your eyes are sight on a, uh, your, your, your sights are set on a pennant, uh, you, you know, things are going to, you're going to drill down to those. Back then, 
past 20, past 15, we didn't care because we didn't know who any of these guys were. Now it's like, okay, are we maximizing our platoon in right field? Uh, how, what, ha- what if something happens to the Ismani Grandal, what are we going to do? Fifth starter, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's times the fifth starter, whew, I don't think, of, I think, were you throwing fifth starts for the Sox a few years ago? I, I thought there was uh, like, I, Sean Williams. I, <laughs> Maybe in my dream or something. I, I don't know. I felt real though. Like I actually, I woke up and my arm was sore too. It yeah, was really so weird. <laughs> I think it might've actually happened and, uh, and maybe it just, you blacked it out. Uh, well, we are going to be talking on a weekly basis. And in fact, not coincidentally coming off of uh, games you're, you're covering probably Sundays or Mondays. We'll, we'll catch up a little, confidential stuff of course probably all these podcasts anybody i'm talking to we're talking spring training because that's what's going on but you're closest uh you're keeping real close tabs on things we're going to be seeing how close to tabs with some of your photos real soon and so i'm glad that first uh experience got under the belt wasn't like rained out somehow or or uh, it was really cold fire it was cold yeah they actually the uh pa announcer said it is 56 degrees here at Camelback Ranch at first pitch in Chicago right now it's 57 degrees <laughs> I was a little underdressed so I was a little cold but I figured it, it would be okay I but looking back on it I kind of wish I, I wore a little more layers <laughs> and even still as storms uh, sweep across the Midwest I can hear the sound of about three million White Sox fans tiny violins playing for you there Sean but it is funny that uh that it was actually warmer or as warm in Chicago than for your game yesterday. Hopefully it'll be warmer next, next outing and you won't overdress. So yeah, I was just complaining about how I wish I wore more layers, but we're heading into like mid March, end of March now. And that's kind of when weather starts taking the turn. So I think I'm going back next Saturday. So next Saturday, I'll probably lose about 30 pounds just <laughs> standing there watching the game. And that's just in your tank top. My God, it's going to be brutal. Uh, but we look forward to seeing your shots and, of course, talking more with you throughout spring training with our little Camelback Confidential session. So thanks for, for hopping on and getting through what was a very long day because that's always a shock. You get home and you're like, holy cow. Same same with even just beat writing, even though you're just sitting. Obviously, the, mm-hmm. the photo shooting is a little more physical, but whew, you get home and you're like, holy cow. And then you're like, oh, I got to go out and do it again tomorrow. All right. Well, at least you get, you, know, you got your, you're on one off six on one off six. So that, that works out. All right. But uh, yeah, thanks for hopping on. And uh, you know, we're going to have fun doing this uh, all spring. Yeah, of course. Always a pleasure. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun looking forward to doing it again and uh, looking forward to recording another one with you shortly. Thanks everyone for tuning in as always for reading and we're going to be just intensifying our coverage. We're counting down our final uh, prospects in the top hundred. We got a real special treat for you, which is why this podcast is a little out of order tomorrow morning, uh, a little uh, insight from the White Sox organization itself. So that's a fun little treat. I'll tease here and uh, we'll be back with Sean in, in another week. So uh, keep on listening, keep on reading. And for those of you who are actually tuning in on YouTube, Hello. We can probably thank you all individually, but uh, thanks for watching as well. And we'll be back with more podcasts with you as soon as tomorrow.